Welcome, welcome. Uh, this is uh, Unscripted on the Serato Twitch, and my name's Matt. Uh, thank you for tuning in if you're just tuning in right now, and shout out to everyone who listens on the podcast on the regular. Um, yeah, this is our first episode for 2022. Um, we're getting the year started off right, um, and I'm really excited about today's guest, um, namely, mainly because I've known him for a really, really long time. So um, yeah, today's guest is a New Zealand-based drummer, producer, visual artist, DJ, and a friend of mine for many years. Uh, Julian's released numerous records on BBE, Wonderful Noise, and played in many respected bands and with many artists. Um, he just put out a new record called Modes, uh, which is available now, and you can actually pull it up in the chat if you just press uh, exclamation point and follow. Um, and uh, it's really fantastic. It's a really solid record front to back. Highly recommend it. Just dropped in December, if I'm not wrong. Um, and uh, yeah, without further ado, please welcome Julian Dine to Serato Unscripted. What's up, Julian? Hey, hey, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for joining us all the way from sunny Aotearoa. My pleasure. Is it actually sunny? Uh, today's a little bit overcast, but it has been impeccable weather this last uh, few weeks, so pretty lucky, really. Fantastic, man. Um, yeah, how's everything going, though, man? It's been a long time since I've seen you. Yeah, all's good. Yeah, it's um, it's been a pretty productive and busy summer so far here, in terms of gigging and touring and stuff. So, quite a few things have fallen over with cancellations with COVID, but um, uh, that's saying quite a few things have ha happened and uh, continue to happen. So fingers crossed, it's not going to get worse anytime soon. Are you able to? Are you actually able to tour the the record in New Zealand right now? Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, we had a lockdown uh, late last year that was for about four months here in Auckland, uh, but everything's kind of easing off now. I uh, played a large show in Christchurch on the weekend with Lady Six to 11,000 people. Oh, so wow. That was pretty, pretty cool. And then I did a club show afterwards, which had a few hundred people. So uh, things are slowly easing up and, uh, you know, big gatherings are happening and festivals are happening and stuff. That's fantastic. Hey, um, I just want to give a quick shout out to Spell. Big up Spell, kia ora. Welcome and good to see you on here um, in the chat. Um, hey, Spell. Another New Zealand legend right there. He's a legend, man. Yeah. He's amazing. Uh, also, uh, now, are you both from Wellington? You're, were you born in Wellington, Julian? I was born in Montreal, Canada, but I was raised in Wellington. That's awesome. I yeah. actually, yeah. I did know that you were born in Canada. Um, yeah. Fellow, fellow Kaniwi. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, with the similar. Were you born here? But no, were you born in Canada? Or were you born in New Zealand? I was born in Christchurch, and then ah, that's right. in Canada. So we're like reverse people. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's so awesome, wow. though. Um, so I mean, are you actually speaking of uh, other countries? Are you planning on on touring the record outside of New Zealand anytime soon? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been quite fortunate that I've been able to tour Japan six times. So uh, I'm hoping I can get back to Japan. Uh, and also, if I can get back to Australia, uh, that would be great. I'm not sure about Europe and the States. I mean, I'd love to, but just kind of it's so up in the air at the moment with all this COVID stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah, we'll see about that. But, you know, I'd like to go and do some shows in, in the UK if possible. Um, because uh, Soundway, my label, are based there in London, so it'd be good to kind of connect the dots with those guys. Absolutely, and such a great musically um, 
musically rich country, you know, Absolutely. England. Yeah. We've also yeah. got um, Master San from uh, Brazil in the house right now. Um, another great country for music and very rich. Uh, oh, I love Brazil. Yeah. Favorite. That's awesome. Um, and now you're a huge record collector, so I imagine Brazil and Japan and also um, England being huge, uh, huge, like a really amazing destinations for collecting records. Would that be right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Japan uh, is kind of mecca for records, so I tend to come back with, you know, like a couple of crates of records every time I tour there. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to go to Brazil uh, and found some amazing records there. And uh, coincidentally, I, I often buy lots of Brazilian records in Japan because they're, they're quite <laughs> fanatical about Brazilian music there. And, um, and obviously, yeah, London, there's so many great shops in, in the UK. And, and uh, uh, yeah, I always buy lots of stuff when I go to the UK. Yeah, and your Instagram feed is constantly uh, re-upped with uh, amazing records. That's one thing I, I feel like uh, you represent very well on, on the Instagram. Yeah, that's kind of my main forte for the Instagram. Uh, does feel a little bit lopsided when I've got other things going on in my life, but um, I, I, I kind of like it visually, you know, like I like following other record nerds and, and I like posting things. And um, But it's not just trophies for me. I'm really into the music, you know. I really like playing these records all the time in the house and uh, and when I DJ out, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, unearthing all the things that are in my collection and all the things I've bought recently. So yeah, I'm just a massive fan. That's so rad. Um, I was going to say about records as well. I mean, just obviously the, 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 the platform, the fact that it's a, a visual piece of art as well is always such a nice thing um, versus an MP3, for example. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty archaic when it comes to that. I just, I mean, I just, the tactility of the object and, the sound of it and and just the ritual of playing records you know if you're making dinner or something and or you've got friends over i, I just love it yeah i mean yeah. it's not always that convenient but um uh I, I definitely dig it and and also the limitations too sometimes if you go out with one bag of records or two bags of records you know you, you you've got to work and, and kind of weave and tell a story with the stuff you've brought with you so you get quite good at knowing your music and your records so absolutely yeah, i'm into it yeah um, well, speaking of records, we should really start to talk about a little bit more about your new record modes. Um, I'd love to know um, what was the inspiration, like when you were when you were working on the album. What were you listening to? Um, I think predominantly, I'm I'm sort of like still stuck in the world of listening to records from from days gone by. So I'm I'm listening to mostly old records, you know, like. Uh, Brazilian records, Nigerian and African records, and lots and lots of jazz. And basically, uh, I'm, I'm obsessed with black music, you know, so from from America and uh, from all the different African uh, diasporas. Um, that's kind of my main thing, really. I mean, I think in the past, I used to be really kind of conscious about checking out lots of new producers and new music and... and um, trying to stay current um and and these days i just kind of rely on uh influences from from afar and from 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 the past and also just kind of relating it back to my own production style more so than trying to kind of like hop onto anything that's current yeah i i, I know what you mean i feel that sometimes uh 
it's almost like you feel a little pressure to to have to keep up with the Joneses in production yeah. world, right? Yeah, and I think at a certain point, and I think it happens to a lot of people, at a certain point you just kind of know, uh, you feel like you have enough of an understanding and a feel for what you know and what you like and, and you kind of just rely on instinct rather than trying to like A, B and compare it to other things. I could be wrong, you know. I, I know lots of people that, that, that do stay current and, 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 and it works well for them. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think also other people that, I mean, historically, someone like Joe Zawinul from Weather Report, I remember he was saying that he, he didn't try and listen to lots of music that was coming out currently because he didn't want to be too influenced by it. He wanted mm. to just stay influenced by his own melodies in his head. And, and, and if he did listen to something, it would be like Duke Ellington or something from in the past. I don't know. Uh, not not to like compare myself to Joe Zawinul in any way <laughs> or put myself on any, anyone's level like that, but... Um, I'm constantly listening to music um, and, uh, and, and whether it seeps into my productions or not, I'm not sure, but um, I, I enjoy it. I'm a music fan. I love music. Yeah, I think that's really good to hear too. I mean, um, I actually spoke with a, a producer um, who makes a lot of great music and he's, a, he's a, a fantastic producer called Ocean from London. And he made yeah. a really good point. And, and, and when we, we spoke, he said, you know, there's nothing that's completely... Uh, an original idea everything is drawn from somewhere anyways but yeah um, but and and saying that to your point i think i guess if you're listening to only current music then you're going to be so influenced by a current sound that you you maybe miss an opportunity to to reference something that was from the past which is always a great source of inspiration right i think um absolutely yeah yeah i mean i've been quite uh conscious about never trying to be uh distinctly retro in any way i mean i've got friends that can do that and they can they can take a, a, a an era of music and, and replicate it like down to the T, you know, and uh, I've never been able to do that, um, which I think is maybe a kind of a strength too, that I, I take enough of influence from different eras and different uh, styles and genres, uh, but I've never been really good at kind of aping them to the point where it's uh, authentic, you know, but so I, I think that means that the, my music's always a sort of this kind of slightly bastardized uh, homogeny of all these different things, you know, and I think that's kind of a little bit of a New Zealand thing too, a little bit of a trait here because we uh, we, we don't pigeonhole ourselves, ourselves so much uh, in any one genre and often people were kind of jack of all trades who did much bunch of different things. So for instance, I'm a drummer and a DJ, a producer, visual artist um and and i think those things all kind of inform each other but i think in other countries maybe that's a bit harder to do you've kind of got to like specialize a bit more perhaps i don't know that's kind of a generalization but i'm sticking <laughs> no, with yeah. it i i i think that's a really good point though and um you know i think growing up in new zealand is a is a very unique experience you know um in a mm. lot of ways too um and I, I'd, I'd love to hear you talk a bit more about that you know i think um it's very it's it's got a lot of influence from you know yeah the u.s but it's also got influence from uh england and 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 obviously it's got its own very rich music culture with the polynesian and maori culture as well yeah um and it and it all kind of blends together and like you said in a very interesting way um and you really notice it when you leave right like uh is that something you've noticed when you go on tour like how new zealand has its own thing yeah absolutely yeah yeah it's quite um i mean it can be uh 
you know, to its detriment too. Sometimes those things, you know, there's certain genres that 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 shouldn't be mixed together, in my opinion. Um, you know, so that's an, that's taking it to an extreme. But by and large, I think uh, all of those factors that you mentioned definitely um, contribute to it being quite a unique and rich uh, musical culture we have here. Absolutely. Um, I've got. Uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to DJ Chucky, who's in the house. Um, and he was just talking about how it's great to see uh, festivals are happening in New Zealand. Yeah, we're definitely a bit jealous uh, over here, seeing you guys enjoying a, a summer and being able to go to venues and have a good time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah, apologies. <laughs> hey, it's all good. It's all good. Um, the uh, it'll come. It'll, we'll get we'll get our summer eventually. Um, yeah. But uh, what, speaking of um, different sounds, um, I noticed that you have a, you know a really great list of collaborators on the record. Um, and I'd, just, I'd really like to hear you talk a little bit about um, what your approach is to writing tracks with other people or collaborating with, with those people on the album. Yeah, I mean, I think with Modes, uh, I made a real conscious choice to make it more of a vocal record. So um, uh, basically all the tracks bar one are vocal tunes, uh, which is something in the past I'd never tried to do to that extent. It was always sort of, one or two, one or two vocal tunes, kind of peppered throughout largely instrumental records. Um, but I really, yeah, made it made it effort to try it out and see if I could do it. You know, uh, there's a whole other skill set that's involved with working with vocalists, um, and some people are really adept at it and skilled at it. Um, I, I rely a lot on the strength uh, and the talents of the collaborators that I'm working with, particularly vocalists. Uh, and I trust their uh, their instincts and their skills to to kind of help me out. Um, yeah. So I, that, in terms of a kind of game plan or modus operandi, that was the main thing was to to, to get lots of vocalists and see if I could make it more of a vocal album. Um, in addition to that, I wanted to work with a lot more musicians from Australia, particularly from Melbourne. Uh, there's quite a simpatico thing going on with a lot of the music that's being made in Melbourne, um, people like uh, Stucky from Surprise Chef and uh, Horatio Luna, who's an amazing bass player. He features all over the record. Uh, and a lot of vocalists, um, Alicia Joy, Tim Guy, who I'd worked with before, uh, uh, Liam and Nikechi from Sasquatch. Um, am I forgetting anyone else? Um, yeah, and, and in, in addition to that, I want... I, I tried a few kind of really iconic legacy artists here in New Zealand. Like, so I got managed to get Joe Dookie from Fat Freddy's on a track and Shea Fu, uh, as well as Troy Kingy and um, some of my uh, regular collaborators, Mata TK and Lady Six. Uh, also, I was really fortunate enough to get uh, a young vocalist called Samisi Mayai who's from a kind of indie band called Marlin's Dreaming, or out of Dunedin, and he features on three tracks on the record. And oh, wow. yeah, so there's quite a few, uh, you know, kind of traditional sort of soul singers, but quite a lot of kind of like more sort of glacial, shoegazy indie singers on there. So I've been kind of exploring that realm a bit more where you've got uh, vocalists that are kind of uh, more in tune with working with kind of jangly guitars and things, but then putting them over kind of electronic or house based beats and seeing what happens. That's really cool, yeah. man. I'd never really uh, realized that, but yeah, Dunedin, 
I mean, there's a whole history about flying none and, and the Dunedin Absolutely, thing, yeah. you know, which is a distinct, distinctly New Zealand uh, sound. And, 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 and obviously, if you're, if you're not familiar with flying none, you know, that record label is kind of legendary um, outside of New Zealand for this specific indie rock sound, right? Would that, would that be correct? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's very iconic. Uh, and the band, yeah, Marlin's Dreaming are from Dunedin um, and kind of referenced that sound oh, a bit, cool. the, the, the kind of clean and uh, the chills and, and those kind of bands kind of, yeah, that sort of angular and it's also got a kind of got elements of kind of uh, craft, kraut rock kind of uh, leanings, you know, sort of uh, can or noi kind of motoric, repetitive things, you know. Um, it's really cool music. I'm, I'm a big fan of that Dunedin sound. Yeah, it's really cool to hear you talk about it. Actually, I, I didn't, I didn't, and initially like recognize it on the on the record, but here now, now hearing you talk about it, of course, and knowing you, yeah, that's that makes perfect sense. Um, quick shout out to a couple other people that just joined us. Uh, big up, it's Danny, Mr. Sunny James, of course, who helps produce this, and Manila Ice. It's good to see you guys uh, in the chat, um, and I can see that you're using the Scarnon um, emote, which is a lovely way of saying hello, Scarnon. <laughs> Uh, very appropriate for this New Zealand interview right now, um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was I also wanted to talk about Shefu because um, Shefu obviously uh, for us and I mean I'm, maybe I'm speaking for myself here, but um, Shefu and DLT had a massive hip hop song in New Zealand uh, called Chains, which um, if you don't mind, we'll just quickly do a, a a quick demo for people who aren't aware. aware. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Chains is is like an iconic New Zealand uh, rap song. It's um, it's it's a classic. It's just really. Hopefully you guys can hear that. Yeah. I don't even think this is on streaming services actually. So the, that song, what is that like? Ninety, ninety six or something? It was pretty early nineties, yeah. um, but uh, very, very foundational rap song for for New Zealand. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's key, yeah, pivotal. Um, I, I remember that when that came out and watching the video on, you know, home at my parents' house. Uh, super iconic, yeah. Uh, yeah, and. and I mean, Shay had such a um, great career prior to this with, with Supergroove as well. So that was a massive band that he was a part of, uh, which kind of is get a bit more like a Chili Peppersy kind of funk pop. Uh, yeah, that sort of amalgam of that time. But yeah, changed huge. Uh, I've actually got the single on cassette. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think... Like, I'm I, like I'm like you. I'm just, I was such a massive fan and still am a massive fan of Shafu. It's so uh, integral if you're from New Zealand and of a certain age. Like, uh, it's it's part of the fabric of you know the, the society. Really, like you know everybody. That that album was so massive to be specific. Uh, and I think. You know, on a side note, like the the musicians that were involved with that, like Chip Matthews and and Godfrey DeGruy and Paul Russell and uh, uh, th those guys were, you know, 
people that I looked up to before I moved to Auckland and, and, and I wanted to connect with them, you know, based on that kind of history and lineage. So uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to start working with those guys and being bands with them. Uh, so yeah, no, it all, it all kind of links up. Um, and I kind of just, I just had a bit of bravado and I just hit up Shay. I said, you know, like, what do you think? You want to maybe work on a song? No worries if you don't want to. Uh, and I kind of knew that he was into some of my music because he had sent like, uh, screenshots and they'd post them on Instagram of him playing like layer and some of my other tunes with Maratike. So I knew he was into my music. Uh, but you know, I didn't know if he would say yes or what, or whether he even respond because like, it, you know, like we know, he's just so iconic. He's like, it's like a megastar. Yeah. But yeah, it, he was super cool to work with. And, um, uh, we did everything remotely. So he did all his vocals and at, at home and then just sent them to me. And, um, uh, just, I can't believe it. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's kind of surreal really. That's so awesome, man. I'm actually, I've actually put it in a, in a playlist. Um, if you guys are interested in, in um, listening to any of the songs that we've, we're talking about, um, I've made a little playlist on SoundCloud that you'll be able to check out later. Um, and it's got the song featuring um, Shefu Scoop off uh, Julian Dine's album Modes. Um, I'm just going to run that real quick for a second. I just feel like just to give people some context of what we're talking about. Um, you obviously, we just touched on uh, Chains by Shefu and now we'll just play a quick uh, snippet of the song he is on off modes called scoop um let's see if we can get some audio coming out here i realize this is the one that i didn't set a cue point for the the vocal ah, all right So yeah, yeah, that's um, Scoop featuring Shefu off Julian Dine's record Modes. Um, amazing, amazing sound. And I really like how you've, it's such a cohesive record. And, you know, this it doesn't sound like out of place at all having someone like Shefu on here. Everything still is very cohesive and works together with all the all the different uh, textures and, and vocalists that you've made, managed to keep on here. Um, oh, thanks, man. But speaking of, uh, you know, very important hip-hop and R&B records, um, can you talk about some specific New Zealand hip hop and R&B records that that maybe informed your tastes or influenced you um, as a young man growing up in Aotearoa. Well, definitely uh, Shefu's records. So, um, to be specific, and The Navigator, um, uh, Damn Native were really influential to me. Um, I mean, that was. I think that must have been ninety six. I'm not sure of the actual year, but. They had a lot of uh, Zane Lowe beats on there. Yeah, yeah. shout out Zane Lowe. 
Dane Lowe. And just the production was just so incredible. I, uh, I think uh, Andy Morton Submariner is involved in a few of the tracks there. And, uh, what else? I'd say those two are probably the, the, the most influential to me. Uh, um, I mean, I think in a wider the wider scheme of things, there was lots of stuff that was on the radio and on the television, you know, uh, in the neighborhood, um, the sisters underground tune. That's massive. Yeah. Oh, that's South a gem. Anthem. Um, uh, what's the other one? Hip hop holiday. It was really, really big. Um, I think those things all kind of collided. Like, um, I was really into skateboarding as a teenager and, um, you would go to big skate events and, and that music would be playing, you know, over sound systems and people would be uh, doing graffiti and break dancing. And uh, I think it's that kind of whole thing where everything collides, you know, uh, same with skate videos. You had uh, lots of, you know, influential music. I remember like when we were hanging out early days, you playing um, the bassline to, I want you back. Oh yeah. Uh, from uh, Jackson Five, um, and I remember that being on the um, uh, the Blind Video Days um, uh, VHS, and that had like Mark Gonzalez skating to John Coltrane, and it had I Want You Back, and it had Husker Do uh, under Jason Lee's clip. Um, just all of that stuff was really uh, pivotal, you know, like really important. All of the music and how it correlated with the visual and the and, and the culture at the time. Um, interesting the thing about I Want You Back is uh, I got to record with the Maisel brothers. Oh, wow. In, in Cologne, in Germany. And uh, and I was talking to Fons Maisel, who's since passed away. And he was talking about that song. And I was like, oh, so did you play piano on that? And he was like, yeah. Uh, I played the bass. I doubled the bass line with the left hand. And Freddie Perrin did the glissando. Uh, and he was talking about how they were writing it and then they'd written it. It was actually meant to be for another Motown artist. And uh, Barry Gordy called him up the night before and said, hey, change the lyrics. We've got this kid group. And they were really disappointed, you know, because they, they, they were like, oh, what? Because I think it was, I can't remember who it was going to be for, but it was you know, one of the more sort of popular Motown artists. And they had to change the lyrics to suit uh, the Jackson 5. But yeah, massive hit. And uh, crazy that it all links back to you playing that bass line. And, <laughs> that is a crazy story julian that is yeah. insane and of course the mizell brothers i mean they've they've produced so many uh deep cuts oh, so many yeah. essential joints um i of course Absolutely. know a lot of their 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 work with donald bird and wind parade yeah. and stuff like that um, i mean i asked those guys like every question i could think of about relating specifically to that era you know so i'd be like um talked a lot about harvey mason and chuck rainey and and, and the crew that they were working with and, uh, and, you know, Donald Bird and, and my dad, uh, had played with, uh, Pepper Adams. And I told them that cause, uh, Donald Bird and Pepper Adams had a group together in the fifties, more of a, like a hard bop, bebop group. And they said that Donald Bird would often talk a lot about his times with Pepper Adams in that era and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, just, and just the loveliest guys, the Mizell brothers, you know, like, and so many, you know, seminal, iconic cuts, you know. Absolutely. Um, 
I mean, this this is a really good segue. I was going to ask you a little bit later, but I feel like we should just jump right into it, though, um, yeah. about your father, because he's also a bit of a New Zealand legend um, yeah. as a bass player and a teacher, and uh, he teaches jazz. He taught me jazz uh, when I yeah. lived in New Zealand at Wellington Polytechnic. Um, yeah. I want to give a big shout out to Paul Dine, actually. Um, Paul Dine yeah. played a big role in, in, in helping me out um, earlier on uh, when I was not doing so well in high school, and he got me into he got me into jazz school, and it straightened me out. Um, so big yeah. up Paul Dine, um, and yeah. he he he. Um, so he played with Pepper Adams. What what other incredible things has your your father done apart from playing with Pepper Adams and, and fathering you? Uh, yeah, well, uh, my parents were based in Montreal for ten years, uh, so from nineteen seventy to nineteen eighty, and my dad played a lot with a guy called Billy Robinson, who was in uh, Charles Mingus's. He was in Charles Mingus's band. Um, uh, he played with Sonny Stitt, did like a week's oh, wow. uh, engagement with Sonny Stitt in a club in Montreal. And, and in fact, Sonny Stitt, when he came to New Zealand, my dad went to the show uh, and kind of met him backstage. And he was like, oh, I don't know if you remember me. I played with you in Canada. He was like, yeah, man, what are you doing down here? You can play. And uh, he kind of like bigged him up, which was, you know, amazing. Uh, my dad's also played with Andrew Hill. Uh, Lee Konitz, uh, yeah, just a lot of iconic people that are kind of like, you know, Sonny Stitt's one degree separation from Miles Davis and yeah. uh, Billy Robinson's one degree separation from Charles Mingus. So he was playing with the top musicians in Canada. And then when he came back here, he uh, linked forces with uh, Roger Sellers, a legendary drummer that was uh, a member of Nucleus in the UK. So uh, I don't know if you know Ian Carr's Nucleus, really amazing kind of seminal jazz funk group. Real kind of hip-hop sampling material stuff, like the album Roots is pretty pretty iconic for its big drum break. Um, but so yeah, so you look, link forces with the Roger Sellers and then uh, they were kind of the house rhythm section. Um, did lots of stuff, like recorded with Mike Knock, and toured with him many, many times. Uh, Mike Knox, probably the one of the most famous New Zealand jazz exports, really. Wow. Uh, and he wow. was a member of, Mike Knox was a member of uh, Yusuf Latif's band. Uh, also played with John Handy and, you know, many, many. Uh, he was actually in, in the uh, Up Blackies Jazz Messengers for a little while. Yeah, incredible guy. He's Sydney-based now. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, Having, coming from that kind of uh, legacy, my dad had lots of uh, musical instruments around the house, a uh, great record collection, which I managed to um, steal from him. Uh, yeah, I've done that too. Blue Note, yeah, lots of Impulse and Blue Note and CTI records that are... Uh, Grails, right? All that. Grails that I've pilfered for my own collection. Uh, and also just, uh, you know, music was kind of very inclusive in our household. Like my dad would often invite musicians over to have uh, like a jam session. So all these amazing musicians would come over, you know, like Jonathan Crayford and Roger Sellers. Uh, and they would play in the lounge room of the house and then we'd all have a big meal together. And, um, and there's something, uh, amazing. And, and, uh, Emotionally, as a child, it's it's quite complex jazz music. You know, there's lots of uh, feelings and. Oh, looks like we lost you, Julian. 
Uh, please come back. Um, just hold on a second while we get Julian back. We're really getting in some uh, incredible history right there. Um, so let's bring him back here now. Looks like he's here. You're back, Julian. I'm back. Sorry, I don't know where you lost me, but yeah, uh, lots of music in the household as a kid, and uh, uh, it, it was a, it was a good time. And uh, as soon as I was old enough, like I started mucking around with my friends in the neighborhood and started making horrible music, and uh, I kind of was quite heavily into sort of punk rock and heavy metal and rap music as a teenager. So. I was doing lots of kind of punk and metal shows as a teenager. Uh, but as I got older and as my tastes developed, I got more and more into to jazz music and, and to funk and black music and stuff in general. Basically, a lot of it was that sort of hip hop sampling things, you know, like Tribe Called Quest samples you'd hear on, you know, a Freddie Hubbard record or something. And you kind of started, I started joining the dots uh i was pretty big into the like weather report and herbie hancock 70s stuff uh and fusion. then i kind of progressed from there yeah fusion it's um interesting actually i feel like fusion is such an interesting time and is a real good segue into talking about your record modes because there is you can really hear a fusion of different elements going on there you know i hear things i hear dub in there i hear jazz i hear funk i hear disco and house music um and, and it actually made me think, and I really wanted to ask you about this, um, because in that same era of 70s, you know, you're, I was, I mean, all the records I love from that era, you know, a lot of them were played, uh, a lot of, like the drummer, um, Idris Muhammad played on a lot of those CTI records and a lot of, and yeah. not records. And then he had his own records, which were also really fantastic fusions of the things that it sounded like he was really into of that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, with those are those drummers. I mean, is that a very, a very? I mean, I feel like they've also been sampled a lot too. So there's, there's that, um, that uh, I guess lineage or association there as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, I love Idris Muhammad is one of my favorites. You know, um, uh, I was lucky enough to meet uh, David Matthews uh, at the Rebel Music Academy in 2004 in Rome, and he had lots to say about those Idris Muhammad records that he produced. Because he, he wrote a lot of the, most of the music, you know, so uh, Turn This Mother Out and those kind of things, uh, which are quite influential in terms of hip-hop sampling and... Uh, Dance music, too. Loft, loft classics as well, you know, some of them uh, could, could heaven ever be like this is kind of a David Mancuso loft classic. and uh, Yeah, so joined a lot of dots there. Um, I'm really into drummer-led records, too, you know. I, I was lucky enough to get a lesson from Bernard Purdy, so I'm really into his his records, into his the records that he features on, uh, and and in terms of jazz artists, you know, I'm huge into Alvin Jones and Tony Williams and Roy Haynes. So I collect all the records that uh, put out under their names, as well as the records where they're they side men. Um, I don't know. I think there's something quite unique about uh, drummer led records. You know, you have every uh, obviously more of an insistence on uh, rhythm because that's the kind of viewpoint that it's coming from sometimes harmonically uh, limited but within that you get uh, a, a different kind of beauty too you know um, absolutely obviously like bands like Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers um, Philly Joe Jones um, 
and, and and then if you go to more of the fusion thing like Billy Cobham and Alphonse Muzon and all those people from the 70s uh, I mean I could go on for days or, or African music like Tony Allen's records you know I really like those yeah. uh, essentially kind of Falakuti records but uh, something about it being drummer led kind of makes it maybe like simplifies it in certain ways and maybe more uh, prominent in terms of rhythm or or the beats more put to the fore you know yeah absolutely um actually shout out your dad again because um when i went to jazz school in wellington i remember billy cobham came to to do a, a, oh. a presentation and i was like super Did excited he? yeah wow and your dad and, and i think roger sellers opened up and then they had billy cobham perform um oh wow it was really it was a yeah a very memorable moment for me for sure um oh yeah yeah uh, jack dejanet i really love jack too jack dejanet i yeah. mean i think he doesn't get a lot of as much praise as other people but i mean he's just incredible i mean from the charles lloyd stuff to miles davis to bill evans to all of his own records you know uh and and his style of playing is so uniquely his you know you can hear elements of tony and elvin in his playing but uh just the fluidity and and the musicality of his playing is is really like a, a big influence on me yeah i love jack Dijonet. um i'd really like just to quickly play um could heaven ever be like this it's one of my favorite yeah. songs of all time um yeah i've heard you play it before um <laughs> I heard you play at Golden Dawn one time, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll just play a snippet, of course, because you know DMCA people—they um, don't—they want—they want to have us having too much fun. So we'll just get to the the main part. Yeah. You might recognize that from a Drake sample. Whoa. So yeah, we'll have to keep it kind yeah. of brief, but I mean, you know, like you said, that's a loft classic and, and you know, people like Jamie XX have sampled it. And I mean, yeah. it's, it's a very, still a very contemporary record, I, I think, and a timeless Absolutely. record, you know? And there's that crab, was it crab apple or crab cakes on that same record? That's really cool too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fantastic record. One time I got burned on Discogs, I bought a copy and there was a skip on that song and I was like, yeah. can't have that. I, I once bought about five copies of that from a1 records in uh, in new york like oh wow uh, like down down below in the bins down below they had all these copies for like three bucks and i just was like i can't <laughs> can't not just keep like multiple copies of this and i think i just gave them away to friends oh that's such yeah. a good thing to do and, and yeah i mean yeah. you can never have too many you definitely want to have doubles of that record that's for sure yeah absolutely oh man that's incredible um can you t tell us a bit more about that private lesson that you had with bernard bernard purdy i mean um because when you, you attended, you said uh, you attended Red Bull Music Academy, right? Yeah. Uh, what was that, 2000? 2004 in Rome. In wow. Italy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, he was one of the 
Bernard Purdy was one of the lecturers there. Uh, so I just asked him, you know, could I get a private lesson from you? Uh, and uh, yeah, he was really incredible. He, he watched me play and he was like, he was like, basically had lots of good uh, positive affirmations about how I was playing. Uh, but he was quite big on like things like posture. You know, he's like, you know, you really want to make sure you have uh, shoes that can let your feet slip on the pedals. So I think I was wearing like Chuck Taylors or something. He's like, you need to get some leather sh sole shoes cool. so you kind of get this shimmy going on. But he was big about posture and uh, he was also big about uh, time and counting. You know, like he visualizes number one when he's when he's playing. So he's counting. If you're playing 4-4, four, four, he's counting four beats to the bar, you know. Uh, yeah, we had like a good couple of hour lesson with him uh, and he imparted so many amazing things. Huge amount of stories, anecdotes. Yeah, he's such a amazing character you know like uh larger than life personality you know uh man, and so iconic man like the amount of records he's played on is just phenomenal yeah yeah there's the there's that one that documentary where they um uh, where they talk about how they made steely dan's asia and yeah that's right and, i mean yeah. it's, it's that iconic time where he's talking about oh yeah they, they wanted me to play drums and i said i'm gonna do the purdy shuffle and he plays the purdy yeah. shuffle and it's just yeah yeah so in the pocket and he seems so amazing, yeah. and so comfortable, right? Like just that's coming through. Yeah, and then uh, I mean that's so iconic as a beat. Like uh, you know, Jeff Beccaro, like basically took that beat, but also kind of pretty pretty with it. You know, he said, "This is the pretty shuffle, but I'm going to use it." Yeah, make it his bread and butter. And I mean, yeah, Jeff Beccaro, yeah. another legend, right there. I mean. Right. He's, yeah, he's arguably one of the most uh, recorded drummers of the 80s. Would, would you say? Oh, we lost you. We lost you, Julian. Come back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're just talking about drums. Hope you guys are vibing with the uh, the drum chat um, and uh, and uh, Julian's record modes. We got him back again. Here he is. Sorry. All good? <laughs> it's all good, man. Down here, in the, down here in the Antipodes. I mean, we got a lot. We got, it's got a long way to travel, that's for sure. But um, it's really great having you on here, man. Um, I wanted to talk about your drums. Um, I've noticed that on the new record, in fact, in the last couple of records, you've incorporated a lot more of your live drums um, on yeah. pretty much all tracks, if not if not all of them. Um, yeah, more so recently, and it's really great to hear that. And it does also um, keep the whole album like kind of like a very cohesive sound to it. Um, is that kind of become more of a priority than on previous albums or is that an intentional thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think potentially like, uh, in the early days, uh, uh, it kind of didn't make as much sense to have as much live drumming, uh, as the tempo increased. Um, uh, and as I got better at kind of, uh, forging a sort of signature sound sonically for the drums. And, and I guess, Feel-wise, uh, I, I wanted to make it more prominent and make it push it more to the fore. And I think also it's uh, playing to your strengths, you know, like uh, that's, that's my main forte is playing the drums. So having live drums and percussion features is, uh, is something that I want to present to the world more. Uh, and I think it's a good point of difference to a lot of other producers that maybe don't play drums or don't have access to that. I think it kind of defines it more as my kind of signature sound. Uh, 
And yeah, and it definitely ties back into sort of some of the vintage things, the more of the African or Nigerian disco kind of feels and things that I incorporate over kind of more kind of conventional house or disco program drums. Uh, and it's a way that you can you can you can get a lot of uh, feel and uh, overemphasize certain things, over exaggerate. Um, certain rhythmic devices you know like you can get more of the push and pull and the swagger and things uh and i guess that kind of relates maybe back to the the jd the the jay diller kind of thing too there's you know incorporating the sort of um the rub or the or the uh the slightly more swung versus straight things you can kind of over emphasize those things more readily and easily with live drums especially if it's kind of up against the backdrop of something that's programmed mm. uh yeah so definitely all of those things are quite conscious and 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 again something that kind of works well live too so i've been doing live shows with uh with some other musicians but i also i play the drums along to some of the program beats and i try and incorporate those same kind of devices live which add a lot of excitement to the show and and also kind of propulsion and vitality to the track yeah dynamics of course as well yeah absolutely yeah i mean all those things the ghosting um there's probably not as much of the kind of jazz language that i practice and play in other contexts so uh I, i'm definitely working on playing like more kind of conventional or modern jazz but i don't always make that uh part of the light of the, the programmed produce music setup as much. Hmm. I, I, I feel like it's easy. It's, it's, uh, uh, mentalize those things and put those things in another context. So I've got other bunch of recordings where it's, I'm playing more, uh, kind of fluid, uh, over the top drumming. And also I have contacts in New Zealand. So I play in a band called Avondale bowling club, which is like a rap group with Tom Scott. Uh, and he gives me kind of carte blanche to do whatever. And so those records have quite uh, grandiose, um, uh, kind of kind of slightly more Jack DeJanette, Tony Williams inspired drum parts with rapping over the top. So I have, I have other outlets where I can kind of express myself uh, in that way. And then in terms of my own music, it's often a little bit more simplified and kind of more relatable to disco or to nigerian disco and boogie it's cool hearing you talk about like that dilla swing too and um i thought it was really cool um moody man used your track with mata tk uh stained glass fresh frozen on his dj kicks compilation um yeah and you know obviously moody man also being from detroit you know that's i mean that's got to be a, a massive cosign um i mean he's arguably Absolutely. One, of the, one of the coolest yeah. djs out um yeah how did it feel to be chosen for that compilation by someone like moody man uh just mind blown really i mean he, he's so influential like uh I, i'm such a massive uh devotee of of black music and particularly black, black music from detroit so um uh i, I I'm, I'm very cautious about not uh stealing anything from them I, I i i am influenced by it and i love it but i try not to be directly quoting it but but to have someone like Moody Man uh, include me on that compilation was was um, uh, just an incredible gift. I'm I'm so 
thankful, really. Um, I was lucky enough to get asked by him to remix, um, uh, what's his name? I totally forgot his name now. My brain is not working. I was just thinking of Wajid for some reason there, but Wajid is also a fan of my tunes and has been playing them. Uh, but no, I, I got a chance to remix Amp Fiddler for the Mahogany label, which was, was a, again, a huge honor. Um, because Amp Fiddler, you know, obviously with his legacy with um, Parliament Funkadelic and then uh, introducing Jay Dealer to the APC and Tribal Quest. He's like the Tribal Quest, you know, like it's incredible, you know. So really, I, I, I'm just so fortunate and just so thankful for all of that stuff. I mean, uh, I totally love and adore all of the music and those guys that uh, are pioneers, really, you know. DJ Dez, like, I mean, he's one of my favorite of all time. Like, as a DJ, as a producer, as a percussionist, the guy is unbelievable, yeah. That's and then, so cool. yeah, Kenny, Moody Man. Uh, I saw Marcellus Pittman play recently. He came down to, uh, to Aotearoa and played a bunch of shows, and just, he was next level. Wow. Uh, obviously, Theo Parrish. I mm. love Theo, and I was lucky enough to work with Theo uh, briefly in Cologne, the same session as the Mizell brothers and Steve Spacek and Omas Keith from Sarah, Mike Pritchard, uh, and uh, recorded on a tune of Theo's called Chemistry. I did the percussion on it. Wow. Uh, I don't think I got credited, but that doesn't, that doesn't really matter. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, just, you know, all praise to Detroit and to, to those those pioneers and those uh, iconic heroes, you know? Yeah. And um, shout out to Wajid too, yeah. Yeah, big big love to Wajid. In fact, um, yeah, I don't want to spoil it too much. We actually we actually spoke to Wajid. We're in we're in regular contact with, with wow. Jido, Jido and, and his school out there. Um, and um, we, we had him on the podcast last year as well. He talked a lot about it and we talked a lot about, you know, just the you know, Detroit being the birthplace of techno and the birthplace of so many genres and yeah. just having such a massive influence on, on modern music. Um, and, you know, I mean, if, you've, if you've never been there or... Have you been to Detroit? No, I never. And I'd love to, yeah. 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 Uh, Very unassuming place. And, and, I mean, you know, you go into some of those places, those record stores, like, you know, Wajid uh, has, had his record store um, uh, next to Underground Resistance. And, and you know, yeah. these are very small places. You know, they're not... Um, you know, you can see Moody Man's house and stuff. It's, it's, they're yeah. not, they're larger than life in your, in your mind. And when you go there, it's, it's quite humbling, you know, that, uh, yeah. so much amazing music comes out of such, hum, such a humble and, and, uh, unassuming place. Um, yeah. But I'd really like to play, um, actually your track, Stained Glass Fresh, Fresh Frozen, just for some context, which is, uh, I'll just play the, the version, uh, from, from your record, but it's, it's not the, the mixed version, but, um, this is the, the one same that was, track essentially yeah yeah it's uh, the version that's on um the dj moody man dj kicks compilation so we'll just get right to mara tk's vocals on this one mara tk of course of electric wire hustle as well yeah I'm calling, said i'm calling to Silent way of whispering, 
I can't play too much more. Otherwise, yeah, we're going to get banned. Um, <laughs> but but I love how you can hear everything that you were talking about in that song. You know, it's got a, you've got a, you've got a, uh, elements of you know even techno and and that Dilla swing in there. Um, yeah. yeah, that beat is ridiculous, ridiculous, um, cons- really in- inspiring uh, track right there, and it's it's great. It, it seems to be a, a timeless classic, and that's from when when did when did that get put out? Like two thousand and Two thousand and nine. Nine. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Um yeah. still still so fresh, you know? Um Um I just want to also say I see uh Rick Bunga in the chat. I think I'm saying that right, which I think is a play on Bick Runga. Um uh, and and you asked a question earlier, we'll get to that a little bit later as well. We're definitely gonna have some time for Q and A towards the end here. Um but just just keeping on on mo- keeping it moving and um on this conversation here. Um you know, you talked you talked a little bit about on this record, you know, kind of um, using your drums to kind of have a bit more of your own character and, and definitely finding a character of your own. But was there ever a time or stage in, in your musical career where you felt like you wanted to conform to a certain genre or, or a certain style before you found your your own voice or your own your lane, as, as they say? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, uh, yeah, I was I was prone to... To, to kind of aping styles and being reverential to certain uh, producers kind of touches, you know. Um, and I think that just comes down to maturity, you know, sometimes you, you or, or you just get so heavily influenced by things because the, the, the producer or the kind of music is so uh, important, you know, like I think if you look at every saxophone player in the 50s, impossible not to be influenced by Charlie Parker and then post John Coltrane every tenor saxophone players kind of got a lot of that vocabulary I think that people like uh, uh, JD and Madlib uh, are the Charlie Parkers of, of the hip-hop producers world and then you have the Flying Lotus and the whole LA beat scene was huge for me and that was like the Coltrane equivalent uh, and I sort of had to work through all of that stuff to get out the other side and just kind of find out what my own sound was about, you know? Yeah. Um, but definitely, yes, yes. Uh, and I think that was true of a lot of my peers too. You know, I think that all of us had times where we leaned a bit too heavy on a certain style that we're feeling at the, at the moment, you know, and, and, um, it just takes a while to figure out that, that that's not the way to go. It's better to, to to explore what your own kind of story and message is, and and that's probably more important to have that out in the world than someone that's kind of copying someone else. Yeah, it's just interesting to hear. Um, you know, I think a lot of people might get stuck there, even you know, and and how to yeah. get out of that um, can probably be a bit challenging for some people. Um, but it's good to to know that you know, I guess just by continuing to do it, you work through that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think I'm also like, uh, it's also a blessing and a curse to have certain limitations around your production style or your, your technical ability on instruments or, you know, um, in terms of what gear you use and, and, uh, and how good you are at playing certain instruments or what have you, or, or particularly what samples you like, like to choose you know if you choose the same samples as your favorite producers then it's going to sound a whole lot like them and then uh, and i think going back to before about the drumming thing uh 
uh, it was more important for me to put forward uh, elements that are closely more related to my uh, skill set as a live musician and as a as a jazz drummer or as a funk drummer and 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 kind of say hey that's this is kind of mostly what I'm about let's push that forward and then combine some of the other elements which maybe are kind of more relatable to my uh, other career as a visual artist so I have uh, a method of making music which is kind of akin to collage or uh, or sculpture where you're you're there's addition and subtraction you're adding things and then you're taking things away uh, thinking of things visually rather than uh, theoretically around music uh, yeah so so all of those things come into play you know you kind of um, uh, trying to make it more relatable to your life experiences and, and what you have to offer as a musician and human being as an artist too yeah it's cool to hear also just about technical limit limitations because i think for some of us you know i think you know maybe being a jazz master on the on the piano or, or understanding harmony really very well which is quite a very a very challenging thing uh speaking <laughs> for myself here maybe um but uh you know to not know that will allow you to focus on other things maybe you know like a bass line or or just you know a single melody and, and lean into those things or, or yeah. even to what you said even earlier about certain records that were led by drummers and therefore more focused on rhythm and, and drums and, uh, and and a groove for, you know, a yeah. repetitive groove, which of course is, I mean, what everyone wants when they're on the dance floor anyways, right? So it works really That's well. That's right, yeah. And I think often composers work through those things. You know, you have, uh, if you look at giant steps from Coltrane and then to his later works before he died, he kind of went, from the most complex harmonic things, you know, uh, to essentially drones, like, you know, modal music or, or, or single chord and uh, rhythmically free music. Um, same with Miles Davis, you know, his 70s bands, they got into this really heavy drone jamming on E flat minor for four hours is what they joke about. Uh, and even Stravinsky and stuff, you know, like the, his final works, that um, working with just C minor or C major, you know, like I think often people have to work through a lot of different things before they end up back down to the raw essentials. And often with dance music, those things are the are the best things when it's you get that the main essence of something which encapsulates all those things uh, enough harmonic interests enough rhythmic insistence uh, cool bass line and then essentially you have it you know things yeah. are coming in and out uh people are used to hearing things that are kind of repetitive uh, nowadays um and whereas other cultures have known about these things for centuries you know <laughs> so um i don't know it all works in, in kind of waves and cycles it's really interesting to hear you talk about that because I think about some of the most successful jazz records of all time, um, you know, and the ones that were the most impactful to me and kind of blue is kind of like this, you know, yeah. ultimate record where it's miles. Who's obviously an incredible player and his band are all incredible players. And they've just come to this kind of understanding of just playing what needs to be played and, and not going too far. And then, you know, of course, Herbie Hancock uh, with Headhunters and, and yeah. that whole you know, Herbie, of course, being a, a beast on the on the keys, but just figuring out that he just wants to make a record that sounds like Sly Stone and just exactly. keep it simple. And, and you know, those are the best-selling records. And, and often, 
you know, I've heard it being said, you know, the hardest music to make is the simplest music. You know, it's so easy to yeah. put a lot of a lot Absolutely. of stuff in there, but just to keep it to the raw elements is actually very difficult to make it sound original and and raw and and simple. Absolutely, yeah. But speaking of which, um, on your record, uh, I I really love the harmony. Uh, there's so many the song structures are are really beautiful and. There's a lot of I hear a lot of R and B and stuff in there, and I was wondering. I noticed Brandon Haru was on um, a lot yeah. of these songs. Um, did he bring a lot of influence to to that with with the album as well? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Brandon's integral and key to my to my vision of music. I mean, he's just such a phenomenal uh, musician and writer and creative person. Um, and yeah, often the the demos I have are kind of harmonically sort of static you know we're sitting around one or two chords and brandon and i work together and he will kind of help me tack on a b section or or make it go somewhere else so i rely on his skills as a songwriter to 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 add these sort of frankenstein other limbs to the body you know uh but yeah shout out to brandon he's he's incredible yeah love yeah him. I know I have to say, um, you know, just well, give, him, give him some flowers while, while, while we can. And we're talking about him. Um, I noticed he got a ma- massive cosign from Timberland pretty recently on Twitch. Absolutely, yeah. And it's yeah. just so cool to see he's such an unassuming guy and uh, so low key. It's 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 awesome. Um, so, yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Now, some people are starting to catch on about Brandon, how amazing he is. Uh, obviously, he's a member of the Lady Six group with myself and Parks and Lady. Uh, uh, and yeah, we work, we work really well as a team and just a beautiful and incredibly talented. Uh, and yeah, he's part of the Timberlands Beat Club now. So he's, <laughs> cool. you know, see what happens. Oh, we lost you again. We'll just wait for you to come back. Um, but yeah, if you're not familiar with Brandon Haru, uh, yeah, really incredible keyboard player. Um, and yeah, he was recently on um, uh, the Timberland Twitch channel and yeah, he got massive um massive coastline from from timberland there um hey uh welcome back julian um yeah i since we're talking about jazz and we're Sorry. talking about jazz a lot which i love of course um yeah and we've talked a lot about you know older jazz music can you tell us about maybe as are you listening to any current jazz music or what's your if you could maybe say your what's your like state of jazz uh, in the world right now, where do you think it's at, and and is there anyone that that you think are are, are killing it right now? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's 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 tons of people that are making incredible music and and uh, have pushed the vocabulary and the language of jazz to this kind of outer space level. Uh, myself, I'm I'm still obsessed with uh, with jazz music from the '60s and the '70s predominantly. Um, so I'm probably not the right person to ask about that. Um, however, there's a, there's a record by a friend of mine in Wellington called Lucian Johnson and, uh, Lord Echo mixed it and it's kind of, uh, it's just such a beautiful, incredible record. Um, it's called Wax Wayne is the name of the album and it's got John Bell on vibraphone who plays on my records and, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of them. Michelle is the harpist. My friend Corey Champion on drums, who's an amazing drummer and producer. Uh, Ricky Gooch is on percussion and Tom Call on bass. Just 
kind of really honed in and tapped into that kind of uh, Alice Coltrane, Yusuf Latif, uh, John Coltrane from the Atlantic era, I guess. Um, and also Farrah Sanders, like Harvest Time. It's got all of those kind of influences, and but yet it's uniquely its own. And uh, Lord Echo, Mike Fabulous, did an incredible job mixing it. Um, that would be one of my favorite jazz records from the last couple of years. Uh, and I would, I would uh, implore anyone to go check that out. Yeah. Awesome. And it's not, I mean, it's not super, it's not like a Spangalang 4 uh, 4 bebop sort of vibe. It's definitely more um, kind of spiritual music. But yeah, incredible record. That's cool to hear. I feel like, honestly, um, there seems to be a bit of a resurgence of jazz. I mean, maybe it's just coming with this whole 90s resurgence, you know? Um, yeah. In uh, fashion and, and everything that's happening right now, uh, which obviously we've lived through, but it's great to see yeah. it coming back um, again. And um, yeah, like, I mean, obviously there's, there's bands like Bad, Bad, Not Good, and then there's, you know, our Hyotis yeah. um, Coyote, who obviously have a lot of jazz influence in their music. And it yeah. al- almost feels like it's 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 coming back. And um and, totally. and I mean, maybe I'm not even up on it, but it's it's cool. Like uh, I got a couple of young friends that are just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go study jazz and I want to play in jazz. I don't really care about anything else. It's like, wow, I, yeah. I was like that, you know, at one point. But yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely cool. I, I've got a jazz band uh, called The Circling Sun. Uh, we're playing tomorrow night here in Auckland. And that's got uh, J.Y. Lee on saxophone. He plays uh, with Avondale Bowling Club as well. Cameron Allen, who you, you oh, remember, yeah. Yeah. Cameron, yeah. Uh, ben Tudor on bass, who also plays with Avondale Bowling Club. You remember Ben and the Tudor brothers? I think so, yeah. yeah. Remember Junior Tudor? Oh, yeah, ben Junior, Tudor, he's the legend. Yeah, and, uh, Marapi Tudor, yeah. So Ben's the middle brother, incredible bass player. Uh, Guy Harrison, who plays like in every band in New Zealand, uh, from Troy Kingy to Avondale Bowling Club. He's a phenomenal keyboard player. He's all over my record. Um that guy's amazing. Uh, who else is in the band? We're going to have Lucky Paul Taylor's going to come join us. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, Love Lucky Paul. Uh, Shout out. Yeah, Lucky he's Paul. been based in uh, Los Angeles playing with Feist, and he's now playing with the uh, with Neil Finn and Marlon Williams. And yeah, incredible guy, incredible musician. Yeah, so th- there's definitely there's definitely that vibe is, is around and happening. Um, I'm still kind of predominantly stuck in music from from yesteryear. So, um, but I definitely uh, I, I'm keeping kind of close eye on all the amazing jazz music that comes out of New York and and in Melbourne and all these other places. And there's so many great players and so many people doing cool, interesting things. I think it's really healthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now, I mean, we've talked a little bit about. Um about your art very very briefly and 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 rick bunga actually asked in the chat a little bit earlier on uh about your art and i wanted to talk about you know the fact that you're also a very accomplished visual artist um and when we actually first met you weren't you were you were playing music but you were in art school and um and uh you know do you find do you find like well yeah let's just talk about your 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 background as a visual artist you know does that is that complementary to your music you know does it inform them you know yeah sorts of things I think there's quite a lot of thought processes and um, modes and ways of working that are, are complementary to making produced music and uh, making uh, visual art. Uh, you know, it's quite a simpatico thing where uh, 
particularly composition or, or just layouts or just working with things uh, in an additional or subtraction kind of manner. Uh, if, if you kind of think that way, it can kind of help you out and putting together music too, I think. Uh, like a mood I think, board? You know, yeah, or just, you can actually visually kind of see things in, in a way, but you can also, it's just the way of thinking about things in terms of editing. Mm. So, um, and I think that's why me and Jeremy Toy worked so well together in the past because uh, Jeremy's such an incredible musician and producer. Uh, I felt like I was probably more the ideas guy in some ways or I brought a different way of thinking about it that was complementary to his methodology I can't believe we yeah. haven't talked about Jeremy yet I mean Jeremy is an integral part of the reason why I know who you are in the first place um, exactly yeah and, so, likewise, uh, yeah. and a very very important person if you guys aren't familiar with Jeremy Toy uh, his work uh, as Leonard Charles or Ota or as part of his group with Julian actually Open Souls um, yeah I mean yeah, Jeremy's a legend in New Zealand and around the world. He's got a record recently with um, Guilty Simpson, Leonard Simpson. Yeah. Duo. Uh, check yeah. that out if you haven't already. Um, yeah, and a, and a lifelong friend of mine, a, um, a dear friend, one of the best people I've ever met in my life. And uh, yeah. I owe him a lot uh, for everything I, I've ever learned and explored with music. So shout out Jeremy Toy, big shout out. Yeah, likewise, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, he was definitely hugely influential when we were younger too, you know. Uh, and also with you being in Canada, he was getting all the stuff, information from you about hip hop and producing music and kind of feeding it to us, you know, so, uh, you were the link too. <laughs> That's cool. That's really good to know. Yeah. I don't know if, what, I, I don't know what I was doing. I was just sending these, these cassette tapes. Uh, you know, this is dating myself heavily here, but I'd be yeah. making these, these cassette tapes with the records that I would buy and send them to Jeremy. And I'm glad to know that they were, they were they shared. Were studied. <laughs> they were studied. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, I've got Wachazu in the chat just asking um, about the, the jazz group that you were talking about, um, if they're playing in Auckland anytime, any, anytime soon or if they will be playing in Auckland. Yeah, tomorrow night. Oh, wow. Uh, a place called Nice Goblins, 220 Dominion Road, and it's free entry, oh, wow. 8 p.m. Yeah, tell them to come along or her to come along. Yeah, I mean, I'd and, be there and, if I could. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. That sounds awesome. Um, that's so that's so rad that you guys get to experience live music like that right now. Um, definitely uh, itching for some of that. Um, but yeah. Just going jumping back to the um, the visual artistry. Um, one of the one of the artists when I was thinking of talking to you about visual art, uh, an <laughs> artist that came to mind that I learned very recently was from Aotearoa, uh, New Zealand, is uh, Len Lai. Uh, I yeah. hope I'm saying that name right. Did you? Did, yeah. Did you study? Uh, like that style of visual or just was he did he come up in your studies at all yeah absolutely yeah he's i mean he's iconic is probably one of the most famous uh international artists from new zealand um you know and his uh his work you know encapsulates so many different uh mediums you know so from his uh short films like Tusalava where he's um, working with sort of animation and, and, and actually uh, modifying the film like by hand uh, and then accompanying it with kind of this modern jazz soundtracks to his abstract paintings of that time to his large uh, 
sculptural works which are often um, mechanized or, or, or moved by the wind, you know. Yeah, hugely uh, influential artist. Um, and he was in New York and uh, doing stuff, you know, and mixing up with contemporary artists in like the 50s and stuff. So cool. Uh, yeah. Um, if you don't mind, yeah, I'll definitely yeah. check, out, check out his um, his short films. I, I, I think there's some of them uh, you can watch them online. But Act yeah, amazing. Actually, if you don't mind, I was gonna um, I was gonna play one of them. One of them that has been a really uh, influential piece to me is his uh, his film Free Radicals, and I think it, it yes, ties in yeah. really nicely uh, with what you've been talking about on the, in this interview today with your um, you know your influence of obviously um, you know African uh, music and and rhythms and so forth. Uh, I know he uses uh, music. I can't. I'm not gonna quote it properly, but I know it's from. Um, a rhythmic you know a, a group from africa i'm not too sure where i apologize for that yeah. but um let me just play this uh this piece he made called uh, free radicals it's it's just so amazing um we'll yeah. just watch a little bit of it but this was um this was made uh similar to what you're talking about where he's he's literally scraping the the film uh yeah. with, with a pen and and, it, and it's rhythmic and it's 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 mind-blowing so here anyways without further ado here's len lies free radicals a, a, a short snippet of it So I probably shouldn't play too much more than that, um, but Amazing. you can see, you know, just how incredible that is and, and how effective that is as a as a piece of visual art. Um, you know, this is 1958. You know, it's just insane. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, it's just uh, it hasn't like it's so contemporary still, in my opinion. Uh, you know, if, if some I went to a if I went to some kind of uh, event and a DJ was playing and that was like going on, I'd be like, whoa, this is some dope. You know what I mean? Dope visuals. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, it's really incredible. Yeah, this. To check out, there's another one. It's a free radicals. It's incredible. There's, I think it's called Tusa Lava, where it's like a, it's sort of like these biomorphic kind of amoeba shapes. Uh, he also lived in uh, Polynesia somewhere. I'm not sure if it was Samoa or Tonga. Yeah, incredible guy and incredible life story. Um, but yeah, there's a real Polynesian uh, uh, and African influence in his work too. There's kinetic sculptures too, where these sort of like large metal uh bands which have these kind of uh steel balls that hit things at certain points so it's kind of like percussive but visually quite uh stimulating too yeah yeah incredible it, i just love the way that it's um you know it's it's all rhythmic you know and and i mean often you know visual doing any it seems even today with technology 
visual things with rhythm is still very, very challenging. And yeah. you know, the fact that he figured out some way of doing that in 1958 is still just, it's kind of insane, you know, <laughs> like absolutely revolutionary. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the fact that he, you know, like, you know, if there was like a, a beat behind that and you told me it was like a flying Lotus production, I wouldn't second guess it in a heartbeat. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. It's really, really impressive. Um, but yeah, so I guess I'll just say quickly the, I got a little, uh, uh, excerpt from the Wikipedia page. So that piece specifically began in 1958 and completed in 1979. Lai made oh, wow. the film uh, by directly scratching the film stock. The resulting figures of motion are set to music by the by Gurimi tribe of Africa. I mean, I'm probably butchering that. I apologize. But um, yeah, it's... And, and you said uh, Tusalava. That is also on YouTube. You can watch that. And there's another one that I watched called um, A Color Box. Uh, oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I think that one too. Really, really impressive. Um, it's so cool. Like, um, I think, I don't know if, if you'd agree with this, but, you know, growing up in New Zealand, maybe I didn't, I wasn't aware of a lot of the cool things that, you know, came from New Zealand, you know, um, a right. lot of the cool artists and cool musicians and the, and the history of that. And it's been great as an adult to kind of learn more about these things. And, and even when I, you know, coming back to you is when, you know, you put your record out modes, I was like, this is so cool. Like, not only do I know this guy, this guy's from New Zealand. It makes me very, uh, you know, very proud to see, you know, this music that's so, uh, you know, it just sounds so, so, so good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, sure. I don't know how to say that any other way, but uh, it's just very exciting to, um, to, to feel that, that, you know, you're representing New Zealand in this way on the, on the, on a world stage, you know? Yeah. Cool. Thank you, man. Um, are there any uh, other artists though from Aotearoa that you feel like uh, the world should know about? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, Obviously, the Nielsen brothers, so uh, Ruben and Cody Nielsen and their dad, Chris Nielsen, uh, obviously, I mean, not obviously, um, that's an unknown mortal orchestra, uh, but then also Cody's solo projects like Opossum, Silicon, uh, and music under his own name, Cody Nielsen. I love that uh, Silicon record so much, man. I yeah. literally uh, made a post about it the other day because I was just like, I don't know. I don't yeah. think people know this record, and they really should because it's so good. Yeah, incredible drummer and amazing talent. I mean, one of my heroes. And I was lucky enough to uh, perform with Silicon, and we toured in Europe. And uh, also, I was a member of Opossum for a while. So I think I saw you play at the yeah. uh, Auckland Museum when when, when oh, I was that's back right. There. Yeah, it was yeah, a fantastic yeah. gig. Yeah. Um, uh, other people from New Zealand: uh, Lord Echo, Mike Fabulous. He's incredible friend of mine uh amazing also on soundway and also on wonderful noise records uh christoph altruento who's uh incredible beat maker and dj um he he mixed my record uh, modes oh. um yeah jeremy toy uh, aka leno charles he's incredible parks and brandon from the lady six group um Man, there's so many people. Yeah, like you said, Spell was on here before. He's he's next level, you know. Yeah, Ricky shout out Spell. Ricky Gooch is one of my heroes from uh, Wellington. Incredible drummer and music producer. Makes music as Cave Circles. Okay. Uh, Corey Champion is another friend of mine from Wellington. Amazing drummer, jazz drummer. Went to the jazz school and but makes really great house and techno music as uh, Borrowed CS. Uh, and he's got a like a side project, uh, sort of jazz-influenced band called Clear Path Ensemble. Really incredible. 
there's lots of young cats here in Auckland, like uh, Kenny Sterling and then uh, the Noah Records guys. So uh, uh, that's uh, Larson Taylor or Rahara Tito Taylor. Um, they've put out an incredible record uh, called Virtual Shadow Ensemble. Okay. About a year or two ago. Really amazing kind of spiritual jazz sort of inflected record with uh, some poetry on it. Uh, a real link to um, to kind of distinctly Polynesian aspects of Maoridom and uh, and uh, Polynesia in general. Um, this just, I mean, I could just keep going on and on. There's so many people that are making crazy cool music here. And, uh, also just like releasing records on their on their own or with labels overseas and um yeah apologies if i've missed anyone i'm there's just so many cool people doing stuff hey man it's all good it's just yeah. great to have a couple recommendations um yeah i can i'll send you those links if you, yeah yeah um but um i guess we should probably start wrapping this up um yeah. i just wanted to quickly ask uh you know what's coming up next for you you know and and, and where people where can people find you if, if they want to uh interact with you or or um uh yeah well, i mean the music the music can be found on all the regular platforms of spotify bandcamp itunes all of those things uh the vinyl should be out soon oh, cool. uh been a bit of delay with this covid stuff so but that's coming out yeah via soundway um and i'm doing some live shows uh to promote the record so i'm playing at a festival uh next weekend not this weekend uh down uh down south of Auckland, a place called Tirao. It's a festival called That Weekend, which also features uh, maybe Frank Booker and Lord Echo and a bunch of uh, There's another really cool festival on Waiheke Island called uh, Flamingo Pier. Oh, nice. uh, I'm playing twice at that. Uh, and that's also featuring uh, Lord Echo and uh, a bunch of other really cool acts. Yeah. It's a, it's a good one if you're in the Auckland region. Like, super cool programming. Flamingo Piers are actually an act. They're on Soundway too, but they have a festival as well. Oh, cool. But uh, always super hip programming, like, best DJs and bands. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Waiheke Island, if, you're, if you've been to New Zealand or if you're going to New Zealand, is a fantastic destination. Uh, Absolutely, Just yeah. to hang out, you know? Yeah. Uh, Mata TK is playing his, with his own group there as well, which would be really fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so that, that those are two picks. I'd say those there's two things, but um, there should be plenty more coming up this summer too. Awesome. Um, well, yeah, th I wanted to thank you uh, very much for your time, Julian. Um, if anyone has any questions in the chat, now would be the time to quickly uh, jump in uh, before we we step out here. Um, but if if not, then I, I think we we'll just keep it moving. And um, before I go, I do want to um, I do want to play one more of your songs. Um, one of my favorite ones off the record with featuring lady six uh be real um cool um and i was going to try and play the the the, the, the side project you have with uh lord echo um lord julian um oh yeah but if you're if you're if you're interested in hearing that i mean you can just find that on 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 dsps and on the playlist that i've created um on cool. soundcloud uh so you can check that out on your own so um yeah i think i think that's probably it let's um Let's ride out to uh, Be Real with Lady Six off Julian's new record, Modes, which is available everywhere right now. Uh, and as you mentioned, vinyl soon. Definitely, um, definitely got to get a copy of that. 
Um, but before I go, is there anything anything else you'd like to say before we we peace out? Nah, man. Just I just want to say thanks to you, Matt, and uh, it's great chatting to you, and I really appreciate uh, all the cool questions and and thanks to anyone that's uh, listened to my music in the past or uh, in the future, and I uh, hope to see you somewhere at a show. Please come and say hi if I see you or you or you see me somewhere. Yeah. Fantastic, Julian. Well, thank you so much for your time, man. Um, have a fantastic day and uh, or evening, I guess, at this point. Um, and uh, I hope to see. Yeah, I do hope to see you soon, whether it's in New Zealand or uh, overseas, when you start touring that record. So, um, thanks, man. Yeah, take care. Say hi to Gail and and the and the fam. And uh, awesome, I'll, bro. I'll be seeing you soon. Yes, man. All right, peace. See you. Bye. So here we go. Be real, Lady Six. See you guys real soon. Thank you for tuning in. Peace. Not picking up what I'm